You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Neeland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community healthcare. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. My name is Bruce Neeland, and I get to be your host. Uh, Our goal at Pharmacy Crossroads is to provide pharmacy owners and other industry executives and people interested in the industry with information that will help inspire independent pharmacy owners to do more and be better. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to a remarkable guest Joe Moose, who is a pharmacy owner in uh, North Carolina, multiple pharmacy owner, and uh, owner of one of the oldest continuously operated pharmacies in the United States. Uh, Joe is a dedicated professional, uh, uh, an amazing clinician, and a true and genuine industry leader. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Take just a minute and tell our listeners who might not know you just a little about you and your pharmacies. Oh, thank you, Bruce. And thanks for such a a kind introduction. Yeah, so I'm Joe Moose. Uh, I'm a pharmacist in North Carolina. I'm fourth generation pharmacist along with my brother, Whit. Uh, And uh, our original location was started in 1882 by our great-grandfather, then went to grandfather, um, and I, I never knew my great-grandfather, but but worked in the pharmacy when my grandfather was working in it, um, Whit and I both did, then my father took over and and uh, worked in the pharmacy, and then then uh, my brother and, and myself uh, in the pharmacy. So we've, uh, we've been doing pharmacy quite a long time and uh, it's really kind of the only thing that that we know we know how to do so we've been asked a number of times you know why we haven't sold out over the years to somebody else and it's like we don't know how to do anything else (laughs) well you know and and we're we're glad that you're there and and um you know, for for some of you who listening who may not know, but you know, Joe not only owns a few pharmacies, but he's a a, a very a generous man with his time working in the industry, and um, and has uh, one of the founders and leaders of the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Networks or CPESN movement, and we'll chat a little bit about that as we get into get into the program. But how many pharmacies yeah. are are you involved with? How many are in your ownership circle? So we have a total of a total of eight pharmacies. And is that partnerships or how's that structured? Y- yeah. So uh, my brother and I are, are in all of them, and and we have a a community pharmacy residency program, uh, and a lot of these pharmacies are 
operated or owned and operated by past residents that, that have been through our program. Uh, that's not the only criteria for, for uh, working with Moose or, or having uh, some ownership with Moose, but, but it certainly ha- has been kind of a pattern over the years. Well, great. Um, so uh, you, we, we've got a couple topics we want to dig into today. The one that, the one that brought me to you is um, about four years ago, I saw a YouTube video uh, where you were illustrating uh, a little bit about how pharmacies might uh, take fuller advantage of their delivery program. And um, I, I've just been intrigued over the last few years, and particularly with COVID, how uh, d- delivery has been a frequent mainstay of independent pharmacy. But uh, I, I think uh, it's almost so common in the industry that people are not taking advantage of the advantages that it provides. And tell us a little bit about how you manage your delivery program there and make some, you know, offer some suggestions as to what your peers might do to, to separate themselves from the competition a little bit better. Yeah, this is, this is probably one of the most rapidly changing uh, pieces of, of our pharmacy system on it. So it, I can't talk about the delivery without kind of circling back around to to our mission. And, and so I, I've told the story a hundred times before, but it, it really resonates with me in that my brother and I probably six, eight years ago, maybe as many as 10 years ago, we sat down and we said, okay, you know, let, let's talk strategy for our company. We, we had, we had a few locations and we, you know, what is it that we were going to focus on? How are we going to stay in business when everybody was getting gobbled up around us? Um, it was, this was kind of the start of consolidation and, and merger time. So how are we going to, going to stay relevant and in business? And, and we landed on, kind of this motto or this mantra is that that uh you know we, we were going to focus on our communities and and keep our communities healthy and i was digging in the basement of this 130 year old at the time 135 year old at the time pharmacy and we found a, a document from our our grandfather that said something about the the store purpose statement or mission statement was take care of the people in the communities that you serve. And, the, you know, that was kind of the same thing that Whit and I came up with independently is, is that's what we want to do. We want to take care of the people in the communities we serve. And if we use that as our compass, we, we feel like we'll be all right. Um, we'll be all right financially, and we'll be able to, to put our heads on our pillows at night and feel like, okay, you know, we've, we've done something good, good in our, our little uh, spot in, in the, the world. So our world headquarters at Moose Pharmacy, our original location is in Mount Pleasant, North Carolina, population of about a thousand folks, you know, but we serve a pretty big, big area outside that. And uh, we started doing delivery and it was when we started, it was pretty much, you know, take the medicine to somebody's house and drop it off and be nice. And we, kept hearing stories about, well, Mrs. Smith needed a light bulb changed. And Mr. Jones, you know, the steps on his house are broken. Um, when you go up the front steps of his house, you, you know, it's a, it's a, 
a train wreck or whatever, or um, you can't even get up their driveway. It's in such disrepair on it. So we would we would say to a local carpenter or whatever, hey, could you, you know, go by Mrs. Jones' house, take a look at her steps or whatever. So it was a long time before I'd ever heard anything about social determinants of health and yeah. and, and knew anything about what that that term meant. But it was it was doing what our mission was about. And that was taking care of the people in the communities which we serve. So these delivery drivers, you know, we just kept noticing um, they came back with fantastic stories. And, and it was one of our residents, um, Ashley Branham, that kind of told me, hey, this, this story, this, uh, you know, one of our delivery drivers came back and just had this incredible story about, you know, what they saw when they were at this house. And, and it was a patient with diabetes who had a 55 gallon drum by the front door that was full of two liter soda bottles. Oh, and wow. This person lived alone. So, my, you know, the pharmacist called the patient, talked to them about it. They didn't have any idea. They knew, yeah, they knew something about that and diabetes, but didn't have any about it. You know, they got them off of the, you know, non diet soda. Um, and it and dramatically changed the the outcome of their disease. And it was kind of that moment that that resonated with me is that you know what that it, it's uh, it's not just the pharmacist that's given uh, outcomes to patients. It, it's our whole team. It's our it's what we do local. So from that we kind of started thinking about okay, well you know what can we do with these delivery drivers. Then a couple of years or several years passed, and, and a good friend of mine, who you know well too, Bruce, uh, Trip Logan down in Missouri, started yeah. talking about a community health worker. And I had no idea what, it, you know, that was like a social determinant of health. I didn't know what that was either. But what he was talking about was a, was a lot like the things that I felt like our delivery drivers were doing. And, a lot, you know, a lot of our staff was doing for that matter. So... Then we started trying, okay, how can we formalize this? You know, how are we different than, than a, a mailman? You know, is it, here's your medicine, thanks, have a great day, sign here. Or can we use these people who are, who are where somebody lives, works, or plays, can we use them as a conduit to get information back or get information to them that will actually help their, help their outcome, help their disease? Let, and that's uh, that's where we sort of put our focus. Let me just ask a clarifying question there. I mean, I, I think the big discovery is that you realized that they weren't just taking things to people. They could listen and bring things back that you could act on. So, I mean, it's the, it's the start of a two-way communication off of the delivery uh, service. Would that be at least a reasonable synopsis of what you're talking about? Absolutely. It, it, it turned it into a transportation issue into a bi-directional yeah. way of, of delivering care. Only yeah. They happen to deliver the medicine, but it's really part of the care cycle or the care continuum that, that they're reinforcing. So you, we've all heard this stat, um, you know, a patient sees their, primary care doctor three and a half times a year. If they have multiple chronic conditions, they see their community pharmacist 35 times a year. You know, a lot of my most co complex patients, I've never seen face to face. But my delivery drivers seeing a lot of them a couple times a week. 
you know, if we aren't leveraging that, we're missing a grand opportunity, not not just an opportunity to distinguish ourselves to be different than the big box chains who are using, you know, Uber and yeah, and mail order and these other types of deliveries, but we're missing a big opportunity to actually change the lives of these people. Well, you're 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 opening up the four walls of your pharmacy to include the homes of the homes of the patients who are being delivered, and and you know, and the idea of having at least somebody from that the patient is going to see again and again and again. Uh, certainly opens up that communication, and, and that's something that's not going to happen as the chains get into get get into home delivery. So I've heard the word personal home delivery used, or is that the right term you use? Did you coin that, or wh- what do we want to call this distinction? Yeah, I did not coin that. Um, you know, I, I like hand delivery. Um, okay. You know, which which kind of distinguishes it from a mail order thing, but, uh, it, it is, you know, it is personal in the sense that, that, uh, there's a conversation going on. I think personal might could be taken that, you know, people might interpret that as private. So uh, you know, okay. a brown box would be considered private, but it, it certainly <laughs> doesn't uh, get the same outcome as someone who can have a conversation or someone who, who knows, certain elements of information to collect for us. And there's a value to that. You know, there's a grand value to it. We have a, we have a payer opportunity right now um, with, a, with an, an insurer who is paying to collect uh, health risk assessment information. And what better way to collect that information than when you're face-to-face where somebody lives, works, or plays? On it. Right. So, uh, you know, that they paid somebody to do this telephonically to call people up and ask them these questionnaires. And then there's a group of patients that were hard to reach or didn't trust somebody over the phone or whatever. I mean, we've got complete trust with these delivery drivers and these folks. I mean, they know them. We have we have patients that call all the time that just they want a delivery because that's the only person they see all month long. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break and listen to a message from our sponsor. Hey, Pharmacy Crossroad listeners, this is Bruce Neeland, breaking in with a quick shout out to our major sponsor, the Compliant Pharmacy Alliance, or better known as CPA. The people, programs, and services at CPA are dedicated to the success of independent community pharmacy, and their sponsorship of this program is one way they demonstrate that commitment. And I'm proud to share with you one more way they do that. Recently, I was delighted to read a press release from the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network, or CPESN, letting the industry know that CPA had just become the first national sponsor of the Flip the Pharmacy initiative. Wow, Pharmacy Crossroads is happy to share this news with you. You can learn more about the Compliant Pharmacy Alliance or CPA at ComplientRx.com. Once again, that's ComplientRx.com. Now, back to our program. I I suspect there's a bunch more that we could get in there. We've got a half-hour program, so I'm going to move us on to the point that you 
that you rose that intrigues me. You wanted to talk a little bit about the opioid crisis. And um, you know, I, I just wondered what what's going on that put that on the top of your mind when we were contemplating what we would talk about today. Yeah, well, I, I like talking about the opioid crisis because I think that's a great opportunity for us. So, you know, if we if we rewind this thing back, uh, we I think community-based pharmacies, independent pharmacies, took care of a lot of patients on opioids. You know, we we listened to them. We were there. They can be time-consuming um, patients, and a lot of times I think they got shuttled from the chains to the independents. So now we're we're left with uh, how do we how do we work with these folks to uh, get get the best outcome for them. And, uh, and and I think there's a ton of opportunity around that. It's, it's gotten out of hand and, uh, and every opioid prescription that's filled goes through a pharmacy. So, so we're kind of that last point to, to bring all this information together and, and to be a, a good steward of, of opioids out there. So I think we've got a ton of opportunities around it. And I think it starts with with having a process in place around how you fill an opioid prescription at your farms. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's fewer and fewer of the prescriptions are being written um, due to, you know, changes in regulatory processes or whatever, but there's still an awful lot of people who need them and I, I guess trying to figure out how to to serve those people is a is a challenge with two or three rough spots in it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, I, I think you know one of the things that we did at, at Moose Pharmacy that I think made a big difference is you know, we sat down and we talked to our staff about it. And we tried to remove any stigma around this because you know, we would have a, a patient who would come in and they would say, well, that didn't, you know, that didn't look like that was all in the up and up or, or whatever. So we, we had a, a long conversation with our staff about, uh, about addiction, about chronic pain, about treatment, about anxiety that goes along with this and anxiety about running out of the medication and tried to to enlighten our staff one about you know being objective of of, of what's going on and then two we tried to do the same with the patients we we came up with a policy and procedure that we share with the patients this is this is how we're going to fill your prescription this is the due diligence we're going to do um, with each prescription and uh, yes, this is going to take longer to fill than an amoxicillin 500 milligram one TID number 30, um, because we're checking the registry. Um, we're if we have any questions, we're we're going to contact your physician about it, and we're going to clarify anything that doesn't seem to be, you know, going on right. And we are going to hold you to to accountability on on filling it and taking it correctly, um, and, and not filling it early. We don't care if you're. If your dog ate your prescription, it is your responsibility to to safeguard your prescription, just like it, it is our responsibility to make sure that we're dispensing this to you 
in a safe manner. So we have that conversation with them up front. And that really, I think, you know, gives them an expectation of what's what's going to happen and, and how they're going to be treated uh, at our pharmacy and, and how we're going to fill it. And then to wrap it all up, we document. We document on, on every one of those prescriptions. So if there is a question from pharmacist to pharmacist, what did, you know, I, I'm working in a pharmacy this afternoon, Kelsey worked in there this morning. What did Kelsey tell this patient about it? So I'm not going back giving a different story, um, as well as having good documentation. If somebody comes in and wants to question what we're doing, if, if you've got inspectors or wholesalers who are, who are you know, questioning how you're dispensing medication, you've got documentation that, that you are doing due diligence to, to make sure this patient is getting uh, the best care. So I mean uh, that that raises in my in my mind, uh, uh, I guess a couple questions is, has this been positively received by patients and by prescribers, and have you ever successfully persuaded a wholesaler to send send you more because of your documentation, or do they still cut you off arbitrarily, or are you just not close enough to that number that it, that that's come up? Yeah, I, I would say yes to all of those things. So, so yes, we have had patients that got mad and said, well, I'm not putting up with this. I'll go somewhere else. It's got more lax rules, and they did that. Yeah. And um, when they left, we realized that how big a time suck that they were and, and that it allowed us to really take care of the patients who were who were trying to get better and trying to, to – to maintain and control their condition. And those patients, I think, appreciate it. Um, same way with physicians. We've had physicians that were probably not the best prescribers that don't like this policy and don't like us questioning things, but they understand that that we're going to do it. Um, and then we have physicians who who praise us for, for calling and, and letting them know think what's going on. They didn't know that piece of information or, or yeah, this is good to have, let us look into it so both ways on the on the wholesaler front you know i think they're so scared of of what's going to happen to them it, that they've got everything kind of in, in some metrics where it's it's all a mathematical formula to them and, and they they don't really look to to what's in the patient's best interest and, and i understand where they're coming from um but you know we have been able to show what we're doing and 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 how we're we're taking care of, of patients and been able to to you know get get what we need for our patients. Well, you know, as you're talking there, I'm I'm forced to go back to the first note I made on our conversation is take care of the people in our community. And um, sometimes there's a little short-term pain associated with that, but it, at least it sounds like you're staying true to that principle. Yeah, I, and again, it's not all it's not all short term. I, I think as I get older, I would think that I would be thinking more short term. But I think <laughs> as I get older, I, I'm thinking more long term. And and even some of our younger store managers, you know, will come up with great ideas that are what I would think short lived um, ideas on it. And we have to to talk about we're not we're not looking for a venture capital exit here. Yeah, we're looking to take we're looking to take care of our community. Great. And, and sometimes there's an investment, you know, and and I think that investment will get you a long term, you know, reward. 
and, it, and it's not always about about that that shortest term reward. So, uh, you know, when you kind of keep applying those principles and, and taking care of the folks in your community, it, it seems to come back to you. Well, and, and that's a nice segue to metrics. You, you indicated you wanted to talk a little bit about some success or, or programs that you're working where you're able to document uh, improvement uh, value that you bring in and present it to people who appreciate that value. Um, I, I suspect this has something to do with a, with a couple uh, payer opportunities that you've had through CPESN, but I'm not sure of that. But tell us a little bit about some of these metrics that you're moving and, and who you're finding that finds value in that to, to help you meet some of your income goals. Yeah, that's uh, I'm probably the last person that, that anybody would look to on um, metrics, but uh, I'm kind of like, hey, I, you know, this seems reasonable. Let's go for it. Um, but I, I've learned more and more over the years that the metrics are important to know where you are. And and I think CPSN not only have they, they brought us opportunities, payer opportunities, but they, they brought us, I think, some good metrics and understanding around those metrics and on how they can become important in our long-term goals. So uh, we've done, we, we've been involved in a, a number of studies um, out there that, that show that patients who come to our pharmacy and get in our adherence program and what I call our adherence program is a, is a glorified sync program. And I think that, you know, sync is kind of, it was 2015, maybe 2018's, you know, hot, sexy thing. It's kind of lost its vogueness in terms of being being the cool, most innovative thing out there because everybody's doing it. But I think it's the foundation of of how we practice. And I think that if if you think sync is just finding an anchor date and filling in everything on that anchor date, you're truly missing. Uh, the benefit of sync. Sync is is all about a, a better way to take care of your patients, and and I think that there are dollars that that go with that. I mean, it's a it's our way of expressing ourselves in this in this value based, um, you know, value based world that's coming around. So, uh, our glorified sync program, we, we actually. Um, did a study with it where we were able to show that, that people in our sync program had reduction in, in hospitalization and uh, ED visits. So, you know, the message has got to get out and it's getting out, but it's got to get out that, that all pharmacies aren't the same. There are pharmacies out there that can fill your prescription fast, accurately, and cheap. And there are pharmacies that can give you a different outcome. And we think we're one of those pharmacies that can give you a different outcome. And that's what, you know, CPSN, that's their message is, is that, that you know, you're going to have a different outcome if you're if you're going to one of these pharmacies doing these enhanced services. So I, I told you, you know, one of the one of the things that, that we're currently doing now, programs that we're doing now is is that health risk assessment. It's a very simple tool that doesn't need a PharmD to to administer um the tool uh, but but it's it's looking for uh patients that that are that have a higher risk and and getting those risk to somebody who can do something about it you know a, another program is just that in north carolina we have this 360 which is a referral group um 
where if you determine that somebody has a food disparity and, and they don't have food in their home, it's how do you get them to the local meals on wheels or how do you get them to the local entity that can help them with this, this uh, problem that they have. So it may not be a, a pharmacy problem, but it's, it's pulling in your entire community and all the resources in your community and, and getting them uh, to those resources. So to answer your question quickly about, about metrics or, you know, we, we need to be looking at things like adherence scores, and we need to be looking at, at things uh, in this value-based world at, at metrics on how do we, you know, how are we performing stacked up against other pharmacies out there to prove ourselves different. So oh, this- adherence measurement, I understand. You mentioned the word health risk assessment. I'm not sure I understand what that entails. Well, that's different by entity that that wants you to do it, but a lot of times it's a screening for social determinants. Okay. okay. Or or it's it's you know it's asking about food disparities. It's asking about depression. It's asking about um, you know transportation issues. Do you have issues of transportation to, to your doctor's office, healthcare? Do you have issues of transportation to your pharmacy? Um, okay. So it's trying to identify things in life, not necessarily medicine-related things, but things in life that are keeping this patient from having better health. And, and then coming back to your delivery uh, service, I mean, you have the ability to at least uh, capture some of those data points uh, with a delivery person at the door? Right. So we, we have these screenings that we we try to conduct, and it would, again, kind of to roll it all in, it's, it's like the environment. You, you can't dump a 55-gallon of drum yeah. uh, in, in the middle of Mount Pleasant three hours from the ocean and not affect it, somehow affect the ocean at some point in time. There's right. a trip of everything's connected. In pharmacy, same way. This is all connected. The, 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 uh, the sink program, you know, when our technician goes to do the sync program, she can actually in that phone call that she's having while she's preparing to sync the patient up, you know, she's asking these type questions. And so she's trying to, to get information that's valuable. So we know, do we need to connect this patient to a community resource to help them get a better outcome? Or is it something that we can solve for? And then she may not get the answer to something, you know, and our delivery driver may, may have to to finish out the questionnaire our delivery driver may have to to do you know uh, actually administer the questionnaire and bring that back to our our technician who then again you know puts it in the process of evaluation so uh, it's all connected and it's not you know I, I made the mistake real early in our sync process and and I, I hired who I thought was the most hotshot community clinical pharmacist in the nation. And I built what I thought was a great sync program. And I went around to the doctors and asked for the sickest patients they had, and we were going to sync them up and fix them. And I found out real quickly that we couldn't do it because it wasn't just about, it wasn't just a yeah. pharmacy issue. We needed to include the entire community to help these patients. And when we did that, we started really seeing outcomes. You know, I, 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 I have to say I've been around a while and I, I think one of the things that 
that I need to address, and, and you've just opened my eyes to it, is that you know some of the stuff that I used to know just isn't so anymore. And, and you know the profession and the metrics for success clearly are no longer just how many scripts you fill and how quickly you can put them out, but we have to, and I, it's forcing me to go back, you gotta take care of the people in your community. Um, and, and this notion of how you've got this glorified sync issue where, where the process of putting the people on the sync program just opens the door for uh, understanding other things that are affecting their health. Um, and uh, you know that leads back to these community health workers, which I see as a big part of the future of, of pharmacy. Who better, who better to be the eyes and ears for that than, than the pharmacist who you used the stat a little while ago, sees a patient 30, 35 times a year and even sees them in their home on occasion. This is just a wow experience for me. Thank you for sharing all of this. We are coming up on the end of our time. So I'm gonna leave one open-ended question for you. And that's, is there something else you'd like to say to your peers um, in the context of what we've been talking about here before we close out for today? Yeah, thanks Bruce for the, for the time as always. Always good to talk to you. Um, in terms of my peers, is we've all got to understand that as great as we think we are individually, as great as as the folks in in this community of Mount Pleasant may think that that Moose Pharmacy is or or not, and as great as we think that we are at, at helping the community, we're only one. And in, until we get unified together as a group, where we can go to a per payer, it's too difficult for a, a payer, a, a Blue Cross, a United Healthcare, a Humana, a Aetna, whoever, to have one-off contracts with these pharmacies. They, they know that things are different at Moose Pharmacy than it is at some other pharmacy in North Carolina, but they don't know how to contract with me at Moose Pharmacy. We've got to all join together um, like a network, like a CPSN, in a clinically integrated network where where we can leverage this all together and and we've got to be able to share i've always been a big believer in sharing i, I will you know I, I don't have any secrets i i try to i try to tell what works and what our where our warts are um at moose pharmacy to other pharmacy owners so hopefully they'll do the same most of the things that we started at moose pharmacy came from somebody else's great idea that i've stolen so yeah. um i'm a big believer in sharing but but we We've got to join together and, and do this together. Um, by ourselves, we're just not going to make it, and we're not going to survive as a profession. And you know, I mean, I, you're forcing me to remember the the quote that people have used on occasion from attributed to Benjamin Franklin at the Revolution. He says, you know, we all need to hang together, or we're going to hang separately. And and you know, that's kind of where we are in 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 the industry. It's a uh, you know, it's been my pleasure for almost 45 years now to be working with remarkable independent pharmacy owners. And, you know, part of the problem is, is they're independent pharmacy owners. And it's, it's right. just real hard to get everybody to agree on anything. And that's both the strength and the weakness. I mean, the fact of the matter is you're independent, you can respond, you can act on opportunities in your marketplace. But, um, 
you know, at the end of the day, if we're going to get somebody big to pay for it, we're going to have to work together. And the analogy that I like to make is in the beginning of the Revolutionary War, we had the Minutemen, we had the, you know, the the, the unorganized troops that, you know, fought the, the British, but it was really the Battle of Yorktown when George Washington had one of the most disciplined, well-organized and formation-oriented armies in the world supported by the French Navy that they finally beat the British the British Empire. It, it was the Minutemen who helped make it possible, but at the end of the day he had to he had to match them. Uh, and I think that's where we are with pharmacy and CPESN allows the ability to aggregate you're just over 3,000 pharmacies now, right? Yeah, we're about 3,500 now. Yeah, uh, we get another thousand or two, and we really do have a an, an army that uh, that will move the needle in the eyes of some of the big payers. And God bless you for your work that you've done in that in that effort. And uh, with that, I'm going to say, Joe Moose, thank you very much for your time today and sharing your wisdom with the listeners of the, the Pharmacy Crossroads podcast. I'm confident that today we've met my goal of providing information to independent owners that will allow them to do more and be better. And so thanks for your time. And um, to my listeners, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. With more than 2,000 member pharmacies in 45 states, the Compliant Pharmacy Alliance, or CPA, is America's premier group purchasing and pharmacy management organization. If you are looking for new, more, or better ways to run a profitable pharmacy, then you might want to talk with someone at CPA. Find out more at compliantrx.com, or better yet, send an email to sales at compliantrx.com. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit pharmacycrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.